Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. section on the fruit of the Spirit, because each word is really filled with meaning. If we're going to love loud, which is in essence the living out of the very life that Christ called us to live. See, don't get the idea that we're doing something unusual by loving loud. That is exactly what we're supposed to do all the time. I mean, the fact that we're emphasizing in 2009 is an indication that we don't love loudly like we ought to love all the time. But that's what loving loud, that's, that's what God has called us to do. But we can't do it without supernatural help. We have to have his help to love people like we ought to love people. We need that supernatural strength. We can't live God's way without God's power. That's just the bottom line. We can't live the way God wants us to live We can't have the relationship God wants us to have. We can't help people like God wants us to help people without God's power. Listen to John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, and that's the secret to life, the secret to loving, everything else, is abiding, that deep abiding relationship with the Lord. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Son ripened fruit, S-O-N, sun-ripened fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When it comes to loving like God wants us to love, giving like God wants us to give, living like God wants us to live, you can't do it apart from him. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When we bear fruit, we bear much fruit. We are showing that we belong to God, that we are his disciples. And understand that God's commands are God's enablings. God will never ask us to do anything unless he also makes the power available to do it. On the one hand, God says, do it. On the other hand, he gives you the power to pull it off. And what that means is we have no excuse for not doing what God has asked us to do. Anything that God asks you to do, you can do. Anything God asks you to do, you can do. It's never that we can't live a life of love. It's that we don't always want to do it. But the power is there. It's not that we can't show love and kindness and patience and self-control and all the fruits of the Spirit. It's that we choose not to do it. Oh, it's hard, yes. But impossible, no. You know, it's easy to let, to let Christ come into our lives, isn't it? It's, if you remember the day you got saved, it's really easy to invite Christ into your life 
But from that day forward, there is an inward struggle to put Christ first. And that, my friend, is an eternal struggle. God doesn't take the struggle out. He puts the Spirit in. God doesn't take the struggle out. He gives us the Spirit so that we can live the Christian life. Now, we all love Jesus. And we know that he lived a perfect life and that he practiced all nine fruits of the Spirit. In his personality, all the fruits of the Spirit were evident. So why do we not live like Jesus lived? I mean, Jesus came to earth and lived the very things that he's telling us how to live. You saw love in him constantly. You saw kindness and patience and self-control. So why is it that these same things are not evident in our lives? Well, I'll tell you, it's because Fred wants to be in control, and you want to be in control. And if we're in control, then the Holy Spirit's not in control. And it's only when the Holy Spirit is in control will the fruit be evident in our lives. We can't do it on our own. We will never make it happen. We can't work it up. See, the, the spiritual fruit is produced in us, not by us. It's a work of God in us when we let turn loose and let God be in charge. When we listen to God and follow God. See, if we do it ourselves, we're the opposite. That's when the flesh gets in. The flesh is the antithesis of the spirit. But if we're in charge of our own lives, then what's going to come out in our lives is the very opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. So God wants us to live in such a way that people are drawn to what they see in us because what they see in us are characteristics of God. They see a love that's unusual. They see a peace that's unusual. They see a joy that's unusual. They see patience that's unusual, and they can't explain it. And they they think, you know, I I need some of that. I want some of that in my life. That's the reason God wants us to, to live this way, is so that we are examples that people can see Christ living in us. If we're just like the world, then we're not going to draw anybody to Christ. Now, so far, we've talked about love being the foundational fruit, and all the others flow out of love. Your love level is your life level. In other words, the quality of your spiritual life is going to be determined by your love level. Love is the first one. First Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply. The second is joy. Joy, we said last week, is living in the atmosphere of love. It's that deep inner contentment, that holy optimism, says Wearsby. And the source of this kind of joy is the presence of God. And the source of peace is the presence of God. And the source of love is the presence of God. You see, peace, joy, and love, the source for all of these is God. And so it's in the when we live our lives in the presence of God, when we live our lives abiding with God, then we will have the peace and the love and the joy. 
Now, we said joy is not automatic. It's available to those who are available to God. And the same way with peace. It's not automatic. It comes out of our relationship with God. Listen to me, and I've said this several times, and I, if I say it a million times, it's, it's not too much, that every good thing in our lives comes out of our abiding, our relationship with God. And the quality of your life spiritually is always going to be determined by the quality of your time with God, your relationship with God. These are not things you can do with your own self-will. They're not things that you can work up in the flesh. In fact, you'll get the very opposite. These things come out of an abiding relationship with God. So today we move to the third one. In Galatians 5, let's read the verse again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a pretty good list. And so today we talk about peace. And that, that word means to, to join, to, to set at one. Harmony. It's talking about inner serenity, that quiet, that calm, that's deep within. Romans fourteen seventeen, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So this peace is a deep abiding tranquility in all circumstances and in all tension. There is that inner peace that comes from that oneness with God. That's what the word peace means. Harmony and that at one with God. Peace comes from knowing that you're not alone. And the one who is with you can meet every need that you have. Can provide anything that you ever need. And that gives you that that inner peace. There are two streams of meaning that flow into this word peace. The Greek word is irene, which means uh, it's, we get our word irene. And, and the word means harmony, at oneness. A couple of weeks ago, I told you about my remote control, and I love it so much I'm going to bring it up again. The remote control that allows me to just, if I want to watch TV, I just touch watch TV, and it turns on all the machines, and I watch TV. I'm still amazed at that. Or if I want to watch a DVD, I just punch watch a DVD, and it just happens. Or if I want to watch you, I just, no, 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 that's not. (laughs) But do you know what the name of that remote control is? Harmony. Harmony. Or I may just call it Irene from now on. Think about that. Irene, who does what I tell her to do. <laughs> Amazing. So this word, Irene, has to do with, with binding together. With that oneness where... Our modern word, would, would, our phrase would be this. Having it all together. If you've got it all together, that's what this word, Irene, is. And the only way you're going to get it all together is when you are in harmony with God, when you are at one with God. So the Greek word is irene. The Hebrew word is shalom. 
If you've been to Israel with us, you've heard that word, that greeting uh, many times. And one of the meanings of shalom is total well-being, not just hello, hi, but I wish you the best that this day has to offer. I want you to have total well-being in your life. Shalom also means tranquility, a personal peace. God gave Moses a beautiful blessing for Israel. Listen to it. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Shalom also means unity. Unity among believers. That's horizontal peace. And it means harmony also, just like Irene. And that means vertical peace. Vertical peace with God. Horizontal peace with believers. Now, I must be honest, we're never entirely free from anxiety and stress and problems and hurt. And I don't want to give you the indication that that's, that's the case. Because I certainly have not arrived there. I still get anxious at times and I still get stressed out at times. I, I still do not have it all together at times. Do, do you, maybe I'm just the only one. Do you always have it all together? No? Do you still have a little stress, a little anxiety in your life? And it's, it's a control issue. I, Lee and I got the opportunity a few weeks ago to, uh, to go to a, an island out there in the ocean. And, you know, I have a love-hate thing with airplanes because I, I love airplanes. Uh, but when something starts to go wrong, I get a little anxious. And I know just enough, I've flown over a million miles, so I know just enough to be dangerous myself. So if the plane isn't doing what it says it's, what it's supposed to do, then I get anxious. And then I get more anxious because I know I shouldn't be anxious, and that makes me anxious. You've been there? I mean, I'm a preacher, for goodness sakes, 50 years, and I'm still anxious. And so we, we had a great flight from here to Atlanta because you have to go through Atlanta to go to heaven. I mean, if you're going to stop there on your way to heaven... And, and then we headed out across the pond to this, uh, the Cayman Island, Grand Cayman. And so we did our uh, initial approach, and we had a smooth flight, big airplane, everything was wonderful. And then we, he did his final approach and set up for the landing, and the wheels went down, and it looked like I could reach out and just touch the water. Because it's that little island out there. And all of a sudden, that plane started turning, I mean, a banking turn to the right. And it just, you know, like this. And I'm thinking, this is not good because the runway is right there in front of us and we're going this direction. There's nothing out there but water and why do we want to turn back? It doesn't make sense to turn back. Do we have enough gas to go back there? And so he, then he turns again and he makes several sharp turns and we're right above the water. So I am, I'm anxious inside because I know this is not good. This is not right. We're supposed to be landing there. If we're not landing there, then what are we going to do? Well, all of a sudden, he lined back up and he landed that plane. Well, when we got off the plane, I have to always ask the pilot what happened. So I went straight to the pilot and I said, uh, about that uh, sharp turn to the right, that banking turn and all those other turns, when we'd already set up for landing, I thought you were going to turn around and go back home. What happened? 
He says, well, the control tower put me too close to the plane in front of me, and that's the only thing I could do. Well, but now let me tell you why I was struggling. is because I was not in control. See, it's always a control issue. And the reason we get anxious in life, the reason we struggle is because we want to be in control. We know how this should work and this should work. And as long as we, if we're in control, we feel better. Ladies and gentlemen, that should be a false piece because it's when God is in control that we're okay. And it's only when we acknowledge that God is in control and he has my best interest at heart and he has promised that in all things we'll work together for good, then we should be able to have inner peace and relax. But it's a struggle at times. And you have to keep reminding yourself that God is in control and that you can trust him with that control. Now, Jesus said without qualification, let not your heart be troubled. Hannity didn't make that phrase up. This is what Jesus said. Let not your heart be troubled. And I guess we can mean from that, get the meaning from that, that apparently there is no reason why a Christian should ever be filled with fear and anxiety. Why? Because God is absolutely in control. Just acknowledge that God is in control. Because it's really silly. I mean, think of me sitting back there. What could I do if I were in control? The whole crowd would be in a mess. We'd be in the bottom of the ocean. And yet I'm anxious because I'm not in control. I don't know what's going on. I'm thinking if the pilot needed me, he wouldn't even know I'm back here to call on me. First John 4, 8, 18. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Now, if you want to know the verse of Scripture I was quoting as a pilot turned that airplane was, perfect love cast out fear. I know you love me, God. I know that have, your love is in my life. I want that love to cover that fear. That I can be at peace in your love. You say, well, did it work? As soon as the plane touched down. <laughs> now, when Satan got in Jesus' face, you remember that scene in the wilderness? Did Jesus panic? Jesus had perfect peace. Knowing that his heavenly Father was in control and would supply every need. And so it was that same peace that Jesus gave his disciples. Now, like joy, peace is not, it's not cheap. It, it requires an intimate and abiding relationship with God. It won't come any other way. I read this quote. I don't know who said it, but I, but I liked it. I, I changed it just a little bit. Love, joy, and peace are the flags flying over the castle of my heart when the king is in residence. In other words, when God is absolutely in control of your life, when the king is in control, then the flags flying over your life, peace, Love, 
and joy. The problem is, we try to be king and we try to be in control. And that's when the anxiety and the fear comes. And just like last week when we said God will not make you joyful, instead he gives you the freedom to be as miserable as you want to be. The same is true with love and the same is true with peace. Love is a choice. Joy is a choice. Peace is a choice. You are free to live in inner turmoil if that's what you choose. You're free to just carry all that fear and anxiety inside you if that's how you choose to live. And let me tell you this. If you don't get with God... If you don't acknowledge God's in control, if you don't work on that relationship with, that you have with God, when, when something happens, the default is inner turmoil. If you haven't gotten your priorities correct, if you're not allowing God to be in charge and trusting God, then what will happen automatically, the default will be inner turmoil. The decision... To trust and obey is what brings peace. The default, inner turmoil. But you can make a decision to trust God and obey God, and that's what's going to lead to inner peace. And by the way, peace is a precious commodity. It's very, very valuable. You can, you can have money, but without peace, it's nothing. You can have fame. But without peace, it's nothing. That inner peace that money can't buy, that inner peace that the world can't give to you, but the world can't take away from you, is the peace that God brings. Love produces obedience. Obedience generates joy. Joy promotes peace. Love, joy, and peace comes they, they make themselves evident in our lives when our relationship with God is where it needs to be. Now let's break it down. I think when he talks about peace, he's, there, there are three kinds of peace that we need to know about. The first is the peace with God. And most of you know that because that's salvation. That's peace of soul. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified, saved through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the greatest peace on earth, to know that your sins are forgiven, to know that you've made peace with God through Jesus Christ. You know, there, if you've been with people dying, some, many times a person will say, I know that I'm at peace with God. And ladies and gentlemen, there is no other way to face death. If you can't say that I've made peace with God, then you're, you're not going to make heaven because that's a prerequisite. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people, and the way to prepare your heart for heaven is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you haven't done that, you ought to do it today because nobody knows how long you have to live. Peace with God that comes through Christ. Isaiah forty-eight twenty-two gives the opposite. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked, for the lost. So peace with God. 
But then there is the peace of God. The peace with God is salvation. That's peace of the soul. The peace of God is surrender. That's peace of mind. See, once we belong to God, and once we acknowledge that God is in control, and we surrender to his lordship, that's when we have the peace of God in our lives. And that's when we have peace of mind. Isaiah 26.3, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, because he trusts in you. Now listen, you can't experience the peace of God until you have first experienced peace with God. You have to get them in order. That's why, the, you know, the, if we could just have the money that's spent in America for tranquilizers and drugs because of inner anxiety, we maybe could solve part of the financial crisis in this country. But you'll never have peace of mind. Until you have peace with God. Come unto me all ye who are weary and burdened and stressed. I will give you rest. That's a promise of the Lord. But it's a promise of those who belong to the Lord. Those who have made peace with God now can have the peace of God. And it's a gift. Peace is a gift. After the resurrection... Jesus ascended up into the heavens. But he left us an incredible gift. Remember the disciples, when Jesus was leaving, they were all concerned. We can't make it without you, Lord. Who will we ask questions to? How can we find answers? Where will we get the encouragement, the strength, the wisdom, the guidance? But Jesus let them know that he's going away, but he will not leave them guideless. He will not leave them helpless, but he will send the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one called alongside to help. And Jesus went on to say, you will even be able to do more because I've been with you. After I go, the Holy Spirit will come and be in you. As I was with you, now God is in you. So after he ascends into heaven, he gives this incredible gift of peace. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Now, he could give us a lot of things, a lot of valuable things. But to give us salvation, forgiveness of sins, and then to give us inner peace. There is no greater gift. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. See, the world can have temporary peace. The world can have uh, peace for a day or a night or until the drugs run out or the alcohol runs out. But God says, I'm giving you this gift. I give you this peace. And it's a peace that that the world can't give you and the world can't take away from you. Therefore, Because you have my peace, my gift, I've given you peace. Peace with God, now peace of God. Peace of soul, now peace of mind. 
So because you now have this peace, the peace of God within you, your hearts need never be afraid. What a promise. You don't have to be fearful or afraid because the past and the present and the future are in God's hands and you are well taken care of. That's how you can have inner peace. Not that you can figure things out. Not that you know what's going to happen. But that you know regardless of what happens, God loves you and God has you in mind and you on his heart and anything that happens, God will use for your good and ultimately it's all going to work for your good and for God's glory. And that's where we get that inner peace that the world can't give you and the world can't take it away from you. You cannot go on the internet and find this peace and get it. You can't get it anywhere. But in your salvation experience with God and then surrendering your life to him, saying, Lord, you're in charge. I submit to you. Jerry has a new doctor, and I happened to be in there when he, when he came in. He's a Christian doctor. And before he left, he had us hold hands and and pray. And you know, I'm in that kind of situation many, many times, except I'm the one who always does the praying. But this doctor prayed and prayed the most powerful prayer I've ever heard a doctor pray. And he began by saying, I submit myself to you. You are God, you are the divine healer. I'm but an instrument, and I need your help, and I need your wisdom. And he prayed scripture. He would quote a verse of scripture and pray that scripture to God. He did that two or three times. And then he prayed for the family. But you see, that's how we are to live. Peace with God, salvation through Christ, you have that. But if that's all you have, you are stuck and you, you do not have peace because you have not surrendered and say, I trust you. I surrender to you. I report to you. And I know that you know what's best for me and you will do what's best in my case. That's when you have peace of mind. Peace of soul and then peace of mind. Because Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. It's one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now let me give you a a prescription for peace. A prescription for peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Philippians is my life book. It's my favorite book in the Bible. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God 
which transcends all understanding. The world cannot figure it out. The world cannot understand it. It makes no sense that in this crisis, under these circumstances, even though your heart is broken, even though you can't understand it, yet inexplicably there is a peace inside you that just keeps you steady. That's the miracle of God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Since our minds would go crazy. All these thoughts that come, and we've got to bring that mind back into submission to the Lord. So here's my personal prescription for peace. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And trust God to get you through anything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And trust God to get you through anything. In my early pastor, and Lee will remember this, every Sunday I quoted, I said that before our congregation. That was a verse that we just uh, wanted to live by and build into our minds and hearts. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And trust God to get you through anything. So we've talked about peace with God. That's peace of soul, salvation. The peace of God. That's the peace of mind. That's through surrender. And the third is the peace of relationships. Spirit-filled. The peace of heart where you do not have the junk in your heart that keeps you from having good relationships. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. We're commanded to to live the peaceful life. We're called to live the peaceful life and be thankful. Romans 12, 17, and 18. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful. Do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. James 3, 17, and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Now, love and self-control are bookends. You can't have peace without love and self-control. On the one hand, we're to love one another. On the other hand, we are to root out of our lives, jerk out of our lives, envy, resentment, jealousy, unresolved anger, bitterness. Those are the things that steal our joy, steal our peace. And so it's self-control that we keep that junk out of our lives with God's help. 
So love and self-control are the bookends and peace happens when you have love and you have self-control. Now, when you, and, and listen to this, forgiveness is a key to living in peace. There's some who say that we could empty half the hospitals if we could just get people to forgive. Because it's made them sick. And so if you want, now that you have peace with God and you have the peace of God, peace of mind, now you want relational peace so that you are at peace with your family. See, every now and then I hear of Christian families that, that they have members that don't speak to one another. Makes me wonder if they're even saved. Because that's not an option. And why would you want to live that way? You see, we are to love loud. We are to love one another. It's, over, it's, it's given over and over and over and over and over in the Bible that we are to love one another. And we're to do everything we can to, to be at peace with one another. And you see, when people are looking at our lives, it's only when they see that we are at peace with ourselves and that we reach out and love one another and that we have a joy. That's when they start looking and trying to figure out what do we have that they don't have. Now, When the need for peace arises, let me just give you some practical things. When the need for peace arises, what do you do? Number one, pray. Pray. In any situation, the first thing you ought to do always is to pray. second thing you ought to do is to pray. Probably the third thing you ought to do is pray. Then start working on other things. Pray. Number two, thank God that he hears you. And that he has your best interest in mind. Pray and then thank God that he hears you. And he has your best interest in mind. And number three, remind yourself that God loves you. And love casts out fear. Remind yourself. That's what I do on that airplane. Remind yourself that God loves you. And his perfect love cast out fear. Number four, trust God to keep your thoughts and heart quiet, calm, and peaceful. See, when we're not peaceful, it's because we stop trusting. And we've tried to take back over. And we've started worrying. Trust God that he's in control and you're not. Trust him to keep your thoughts and heart quiet and peaceful and calm. And I've already told you, God's still working on me. I'm I'm not there yet. I haven't totally arrived at all. But I'm telling you where I want to be and where God wants us to be. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, 
For this is God's will for those of you who belong to Christ Jesus. What a powerful verse. In Matthew 18, when, when Jesus said we must become as little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. Remember when he said that? I think he was talking about faith and trust. That's what little children have. Faith and trust. And if we're going to be peaceful inside, then we need faith and trust. Loving God brings peace. Thanking God brings peace. Trusting God brings peace. Obeying God brings peace. So we've got to break the old habits of worrying and establish the new habit of praying and asking God to give us that peace. Loving loud. Living it out. Let's pray. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry. 